It's Thursday, July 2nd, 2020, and you're listening to The Vision Podcast. Welcome to The Vision Podcast, a podcast that explores news, topics, and information of interest to the faculty, staff, and friends of the Mississippi State University College of Arts and Sciences. I'm your host, Karen Brown. And I'm your host, John Burrow. Welcome to the second edition of the Vision Podcast. As we explore the changes COVID-19 is having on academic life, formats for teaching and learning are undergoing many changes. The traditional classroom will be different in fall 2020. Today we are joined by Kathy Sherman Morris, a Dean's Administrative Faculty Fellow for the College of Arts and Sciences. She is also a professor in the Mississippi State University Department of Geosciences, where she has recently served as the Director of the Geoscience Distance Learning Programs from 2012 to 2019. Her research concentrates primarily on the communication of weather information, risk perception, and the individual level responses to extreme weather events. Dr. Sherman Morris, welcome to the Vision Podcast. Thank you for having me. So to begin, Dr. Sherman Morris, I'd like to ask, you know, this is your first year in the dean's office, and it's been quite a year so far. Uh, <laughs> Uh, From what I'm understanding, you've been tasked with investigating and learning about various teaching methods and technologies uh, that faculty may need for the upcoming fall 2020 uh, classroom instruction. Uh, What are the various tools and methods that uh, you've been exploring? Yeah, um, well, the university is investing in cameras for many of the classrooms that can record or stream lectures. So that opens up a lot of new possibilities for delivery that haven't really been possible to a large extent before. Um, Some of what I've been looking into is how can this technology be used in a way that helps the students learn while not putting an unfair burden on the faculty teaching. And speaking of that, and it's so funny that I'm going to ask you this question because I was in a meeting this morning, and the first thing the individual said to me is, what is this difference between hybrid and high flex? So the university community, we're hearing these terms hybrid and or high flex classes as a way to accommodate students in various scenarios for the fall. Help us understand the difference between a hybrid and high flex classroom. Yeah, um, it's a, they're new terms for all of us, mostly. Um, A hybrid class is one where a portion of the content is delivered or it's intended to be delivered face-to-face and a distinct portion is intended to be delivered online. So all students would participate in the course as the instructor designed it. So if an instructor decides to put lectures online and do something else face-to-face, every student would view lectures online and attend class in person for those other activities. I think people might be more familiar with the term flipped classroom. In a flipped classroom, lecture content is usually placed online to be viewed before class meetings. So students attend in-person sessions for other activities that might be a better use of the instructional time, like working through problems or collaborative activities. That would be an example of the hybrid style. A high flex style, on the other hand, 
allows students the ability to participate in the course either face-to-face -face or online or some combination of both. Students have the flexibility to choose how to participate. Um, so for the instructor, that would normally mean being prepared to accommodate that level of flexibility and provide a similar learning environment for students, whether they're online or face-to-face. -face. Uh, in fall 2020, we could see a slightly different version of that where the instructors have to decide who participates when and in which format. And in trying to do that, what are ways faculty and students should and or can prepare for instruction in the fall now without knowing all the variables? We don't know yet. Right. Um, there are a few things faculty can count on. Most classrooms will have video recording capabilities. We know what the fall, uh, fall calendar looks like and there will be a couple fewer assigned class meetings. And I hate to say this, but it is possible that some students in our classes will get sick or otherwise can't come to class because of the virus. Right. And we should be thinking now about how we can accommodate them. We really don't want students coming to class if they even might be sick. So it's worth thinking about now. Um, and faculty can be thinking about how they might use the hybrid format of the things that I mentioned earlier in their classes that would meet their learning objectives and also allow for some online content in case students get sick and can't come to class. Um, and then the other possibility is we might be faced with a situation like in the spring where we all have to go online in short notice. So it's probably going to be easier to make that jump if you're already including some online content now. Good tips. And earlier you had mentioned uh, essentially in all of these different types of classroom um, methods that video or some sort of technology component will be integrated. And uh, so I'm assuming, will this include a camera that can record? Will Zoom or some other software be utilized uh, with multiple preset recording locations? Uh, how might the faculty take advantage of these technologies? Yeah, um, well, the, the university uses WebEx. We also have Teams, so those would be preferred, <laughs> I think, over Zoom. But um, anyway, yeah, it, it requires some thought um, for each faculty member, given the type of class they teach. And I think the answer is probably going to be a little bit different for each faculty member. Now, the simplest method to use the technology that would require the least amount of change would be one where you plan to teach as you normally would, and at the beginning of your class, you turn on the camera to record or to stream what you're doing. Um, it's not necessarily the best method though. With a little more thought and a little more time um, on the front end, you might decide to pre-record and upload your lectures and use the recording equipment in the classrooms to tackle topics that students often have trouble with. So maybe you have students somehow let you know what questions they have ahead of time or based on teaching the class before, you know what topics could use more explanation, or maybe you have problems that the students can work on in class to reinforce the learning. Um, sort of like a recitation class, where you can focus on those topics that are harder to understand, or where students normally have questions. Um, discussions could also take place synchronously using the video or using the recording equipment. Um, but as an instructor shouldn't count on students' comments or questions being recorded um, because the classrooms might not necessarily have microphones that the students can speak into. Um, I don't think everyone has to use the technology for every class, though. 
There are other ways to provide a partially face-to-face -face experience that will work better in some situations. Uh, for example, a survey conducted with students in the spring semester showed that collaborative work, so like group work uh, where they're working with each other, or um, specialized or really technical assignments were the hardest for students to continue once we went online. If an instructor decides to put the lecture material online, the face-to-face -face time could be used more for activities like this. So, uh, so uh, I'm just spinning off of that. Uh, faculty should take an account to perhaps adapt or change uh, perhaps some of those projects that like, group projects that are quite difficult to do through a technological or digital format. Yeah. Um, if you know ahead of time, um, those kinds of projects that you usually do, some of them would lend themselves more to um, an online setting and some of them um, really work better face to face. And I want to jump to talking about that face to face time. And I was so glad to hear you talk about that because I was just in a meeting for planning for my fall class. And we were discussing the same part about if a student gets sick and then they can't be there. And then if we're doing half lecture one day. So we did opt for doing our lectures online. And what you talked about using that group time, this is a class that works in groups. What are some ways faculty can plan to use that face-to-face -face time this fall? Um, well, we, we have some good examples of syllabi from faculty who are planning to teach their hybrid classes this fall. And um, we have those that we can post on the website. Um, so you'll be able to see those. Uh, some ideas that I've heard from faculty include science classes where the lectures are online, like you just mentioned, um, but students will still attend face-to-face -face labs or recitation sections, which are usually smaller. Um, one class has students work in a statistics program outside of class, and then they come to class face-to-face -to, -face to interpret the output and for guidance. Um, I've heard other people doing collaborative work with their students. Um, if it can be accomplished in a socially distanced manner, so we have to think about that. Um, and if a class requires hands-on activities, I think that seems like a good fit for face-to-face. -face. Um, also, some classes require a discussion where students might be uncomfortable talking openly on a discussion board or if they're being recorded. So small in-person discussion sections could work well for that too, for the face-to-face uh, -face component. Um, and I've seen examples where instructors will have a portion of the class attend on one day and another portion will attend on another day. So that's the kind of schedule that could be used this fall. Um, and then of course, for many classes, especially large, large, large lecture classes, um, faculty will use face-to-face -face class time like they normally would. Uh, for lectures that will be streamed or recorded for students to watch remotely. And I think too, a positive message, I try to look at the glass half full in this situation. <laughs> um, there are lots of different options. So I guess instead of feeling as a faculty member that I'm stuck in one scenario, there are a lot of different methods. Yeah, definitely. I think this fall is a great time for faculty to experiment with different things. I mean, obviously things are going to be tough <laughs> this fall, but if you can look on the bright side, um, if you've always wanted to try sort of a hybrid or a blended class, um, this is a time to And Dr. Dr. Sherman Morris, you know, you've been a faculty member and an administrator and speaking of the flexibility that is required, um, what's, what do you see as the biggest academic challenge uh, that academia faces 
uh, this fall with the pandemic and this new setting of a classroom? Yeah, um, I sort of have two answers. So, so much uncertainty is definitely one of them. Everything about the pandemic is uncertain. Um, will we be able to shift or will we have to shift online during the fall? Um, how many classes will we be able to teach face-to-face? Uh, how many will we be able to go online? Will we be required to go online? Uh, and then the second answer is rapid change. We have had to make and adapt to so many changes. Changes with the academic schedule, changes with delivery, um, changes in technology. And when you compare the two, it's mind-blowing to think about. It's really tough for faculty to be asked to change their teaching format, their room, their schedule, with only a little over a month when classes start. And from the administrative side, we would love to have had all the answers about fall figured out much earlier. But um, I've also been able to see what a tremendous effort has been behind the scenes, like the registrar's office, for example, having to reconfigure the whole schedule. And that kind of thing just takes time to do right. Yeah, and I, I think one of my last questions for you today is a lot of discussion about the 45 contact hours for a three-credit-hour class. Um, can you help explain what is the best way for faculty to calculate contact hours while using various platforms of instruction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that um, we're going to have fewer class meetings in the fall. So we actually only have 42 hours scheduled. Um, faculty are allowed to make up that extra three that they would normally have, um, but they don't have to. So that's something that um, faculty should just be aware of. As far as like, um, you know, how to parse out the different um, ways to, to do your delivery, I think the best way is to start with your course outline. Are there some lectures or activities that you think would work well online in an asynchronous format? So asynchronous means that students can access them at different times. They don't have to watch together. Um, are there other lectures or activities you feel like you need to have a live student participation? If so, could the live participation work if you used WebEx or does it have to be in person? Um, So if you taught your class before, you probably have an idea of how much content you need to cover in a regular semester. When you move content online, it doesn't have to be minute for minute. So if you think about a typical class period where you're lecturing, you don't talk nonstop for like 50 minutes or 75 minutes. So a pre-recorded lecture might only be 20 or 25 minutes. And research shows that it's best to keep lecture videos short. So even less than that, making multiple lectures of five or 10 minutes each. Um, Discussion that would normally happen along with the lecture can now take place in a separate class meeting, like a WebEx session or on a discussion board. Um, I think the main thing you want to be cautious about as you're thinking about this is adding too much to your class if you decide to put your lectures online. Um, If you normally have your students work on projects outside of class as homework and lecture in class, but this fall you decide to put your lectures online for students to watch, you might want to bring the projects to the face-to-face part or do some other activity in place of the projects this semester so that you're not adding work for the students due to the change in format. Um, Also, you don't have to meet with all the students in all the scheduled class meetings. 
um, if you're providing some of the content online. So that's an important thing to remember also. Um, as long as you're meeting your contact hours, uh, you really can be more flexible this fall. And just, I guess, kind of wrap this up, Dr. Sherman Morris, uh, for faculty who have questions or want to know more about what they can do, what, what's the best method for them? Are there ways in which or resources out there that they can get in contact with or anyone at the university here uh, to help them figure out what they need to do for this fall? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of resources. Um, I mean, I, I'm certainly willing to answer questions if people want to, um, if people have questions for me, my email is kms5 at msstate. Um, there's also resources, the Center for Teaching and Learning is doing a hybrid um, class. It's like a two-week class that faculty can take. And when I checked yesterday, there were still a few seats left. Um, I actually participated in that in June, and it was a really um, interesting experience to, to learn more about hybrid classes. There's uh, resources at the library. There are lots of um, resources with ITS that you can learn about the different technology. Um, so we want faculty, faculty to be successful. Um, so yeah, the, the university and the college are providing a lot of experiences or a lot of resources for faculty. Well, we can't thank you enough for being on the podcast and every response that you have given to these questions makes me want to have every faculty member listen to this podcast because great tips and suggestions for a very difficult time for faculty at universities. Um, thank you. I appreciate the compliment and um, I enjoyed being here. So thanks for inviting me. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the Vision Podcast. Be sure to visit our website, www.cas.msstate.edu, for more information about the College of Arts and Sciences. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'd appreciate you helping us spread the word letting others know about the podcast. You can also stay up to date on news and information about the College of Arts and Sciences by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Mississippi State University College of Arts and Sciences, learning through discovery.